I want to preach to you this morning about martyrs for Christ and a special emphasis on the reason, one of the main reasons for those to be martyred was the fact that there is a great and glorious atonement and they preached the atoning blood of Christ and God requires an atonement as we were Reading in our family devotions, we came across the in second in First Chronicles about David and how he numbered the people, and it seemed like it was a small infraction of the commandments of God. But God did not think it was small, and before it was all over, seventy thousand people had to die because David, in his pride, sought even against Joab. Joab thought it was abominable that David would require all of Israel to be numbered. There were times when they were supposed to be numbered, but this was not that kind of a time. And so the, the Lord gave three choices to David through the prophet Gad and said you can even either... Uh, have famine for three years, or you can have three months of running from your enemies, or three, day, uh, three days of pestilence. And David chose the three days because he'd already run from Saul so long, and he didn't want to be humiliated anymore. He'd already gone through, if I'm not wrong, the same thing with Absalom, having to run from, from uh, Jerusalem. And so he chose to fall into the hands of the Lord. He said, the Lord is merciful. And this merciful God, who we see from Jonah, Jonah said that he, he didn't want to preach to Nineveh because God would be merciful, and God did spare all of Nineveh. And and David knew the same thing, that God was a merciful God. But this merciful God sent pestilence, and 70,000 people died. Because God requires an atonement. And God still requires an atonement. We have gotten to the place in America where we think we can treat God in a light way like our buddy. Well, God says blood will be atoned by blood. And your pride, David, in numbering all the people, I'll show you, I'll just take 70,000 away in three days. And his sword was drawn to take more over Jerusalem. And it said God repented of what he did. Now, God can't change his mind. It's just that he... In wrath, he does remember mercy. But God is still a God of fire. Our God is a consuming fire. You know, God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. Not out of the waters in the Egypt. He spoke out of a burning bush. And our God is a consuming fire. If you look in the book of the Revelation in different places, his eyes are as a flame of fire. And our God, our Christ, is coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. If you don't know the Lord today, you better get saved. You better get redeemed, because your blood has to be, your sin has to be atoned for. Death for death. And what? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Because of sin, death is required. Praise God, we're not going to go to the second death. We've been redeemed by the blood. We've trusted in the blood of Christ. But Christ had to go to Calvary's mountain and Calvary, and he had to shed his blood, or it will be your blood for all eternity. You'll pay for all eternity for your sin unless you get the atonement, the applied atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ on your behalf. So really, God hasn't changed 
very much at all. In fact, he's in, immutable. He cannot change. He still requires death for death, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. What you sow, you reap, friend. You say, well, I, I'm going to go and sow my wild oats. You'll end up with, you sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind, the Bible says. So to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. Whatever you sow to, you'll reap it. It's just a, just a thing that God has, amen? Sowing and reaping. If you sow corn, you'll get corn. If you sow apples, you'll get apples. And you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. You'll pay for your sin unless you let the Lord Jesus take care of it and pay for it for you. Now, he's already paid for your sin, but you have to appropriate that cleansing. You have to appropriate the atonement. You have to get the atonement that's already been made applied to you. I don't know, but as I was studying for this sermon, I, I really believe that America is going to have a bloodbath in the future. We have, we have aborted too many babies. We have shed too much innocent blood. A little baby can't help itself. We talk about, we talk about abortion uh, as just a commonplace thing, so many who are so wicked. It's a terrible thing to abort a baby, to try to get rid of responsibility. And I believe we're going to pay. We're going to see when David, David did wrong, and he knew he did wrong, but he continued in, in what he was doing. What it was this earlier, what happened to David? He took Bathsheba, and he sinned with her. And a boy, baby was born. But before that, he went and he had Uriah the Hittite, her husband, killed. And God says, blood for blood. You killed Uriah the Hittite. And God says, the blood will be in your home until you die, David. Because you killed Uriah the Hittite. And the baby died. The baby died. The one that was had and that tried to cover up the sin. You say, well, why did God kill the baby? I want you to know, God did kill the baby. But God can do what he wants with his creation. And we better not be killing babies. God giveth life and God taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God will always do right. God killed 70,000 people because of David's sin. And David said, Lord, what about all these sheep here? They didn't do anything. I was the one. Why don't you take it out on me? God does just what he pleases. But someone will pay for your sin. Someone will pay for the blood on the hands of these doctors and nurses who've killed and aborted thousands, yea, millions of babies. There's a payday coming. It may be Iraq. It may be something else. We've won the war over there, but a few of them got pneumonia and died on top of it. What about the last war, the Gulf War Syndrome? How many died from that? We can win a war and lose a lot of battles, friends. I read in the paper just this last week and it said that they're going to be over there for two years at least, as a minimum of two years. What do I hear this morning from our brother? Glad he came over here, Brother Davis. Now, is he related to you? That's your father-in-law. And he helped build that wall over there and a bunch of other walls. Remember Brother Davis over here? And, that's, and he recommended him to come today. And uh, so thankful uh, for that. But I just heard... That what there's how many men are getting activated? Are they all all National Guard? How many? Ten thousand. That's a lot of National Guard people. Ten thousand. He's going to be training them, I guess. Is that right? <laughs> training them to go over there to Iraq to replace the others over there. I tell you what. You say, are you against the war? No, I'm not against the war. Is it a just cause? I, think it's a, I believe it's a just cause. Others d disagree with that. I know one thing. We've got men, our men in harm's way over there, though, and it looks like they're going to be that way for a while. 
You got to remember, there were a lot of people, even though Saddam might be gone, even though his two sons might be de- uh, apprehended or dead, whatever. Still, those men lost a lot of uncles and aunts and, and brothers and sisters and fathers in the previous war, no less this one that just happened. How friendly are they going to be toward us if we had, with our bombs or whatever, had killed their brother or their father? You don't hear about all the deaths on the other side, do you? You hear about a few loss of lives. The last war and this war, just so many thousands, thousands and thousands killed by the bombings. Terrible. Those lives out into eternity. You say, is it a just war? I think the first one was, and I think the second one was. But I'll tell you what, in the midst of it all, we better quit killing babies. God's going to get that blood and atone for those bloody hands of those doctors who, who killed those little innocent babies. Because God requires an atonement. He did with David. And David was a man after God's own heart. But he should have not, in his pride, numbered those people. 70,000, I believe they were all men of war, too. Did it not say? It wasn't the women and children that died, I don't believe in that case. It was the, the, the warriors, the, the soldiers. And I want you to know, the death angel... It said the death angel was over Jerusalem with his sword drawn, ready to kill all through Jerusalem or it, or it already started. Because God says there will be an atonement for your sin. And Jesus Christ is our atonement. The atonement means at one We are made at one with God again. We are, we are, there's a, a division there, but the atonement is at one minute. We're made at one with God again. After, and by the way, right after those 70,000 died, David had to go up and rear up an altar and offer up a blood sacrifice. But we don't have to do that anymore. Our sacrifice is the Lord Jesus Christ who died at Calvary bore our sins in his body on the tree, and as soon as we appropriate his blood and appropriate his atonement, appropriate his forgiveness, appropriate his redemption, appropriate all that he did at Calvary for us, we are immediately made pure as he is in the blood of Jesus Christ. But the atonement has to be appropriated. Otherwise, the whole world would go to heaven because Jesus died for them. We don't believe he died just for those that are going to be saved either. He died for those that are going to be lost as well. Christ died for all. For all were dead. We don't believe that extreme Calvinistic view that Christ just died for the select few. No, his death is is, uh, sufficient for all, but only is it made effectual on those who repent of their sin, and believe on Jesus Christ to salvation. Well, I gave you the first sermon before the... Well, I thought I was going to give it to you at the end, but I'm going to give it to you at the beginning. And they're both, they're both on my heart, so I'll just give you both of them. That was a pretty good sermon, wasn't it? Pretty short. Pretty short. And I enjoyed it. If you didn't, it's still glorious. Amen. The message of Christ dying for us is, is just wonderful. That I, we can be free from our sins. And now I want to talk to you about the other part of the message, martyrs for Christ. Martyrs for Christ. Oh, we need to be willing to yield our life up to the Lord. And the Lord makes much in His Bible and His Word about His martyrs. We think a lot of Stephen. Look at Acts 22, verse 20. And keep your finger also in Revelation. In Revelation 2 and Revelation 17, verse 6. Revelation 2. I want to look at a number of verses of Scripture about this matter of being a martyr for Christ. And before I even get started, I have to say that the greatest martyr is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. For He laid down His life. He, He had His life taken from Him 
to take our sins away, but he's the great martyr. <laughs> Amen. Glory be to God. I'll tell you why they, they nailed Jesus to Calvary's cross and he died. It was because of their hatred for him and for the God who sent him. Christ is our great martyr. And then the other one is John the Baptist, the predecessor, the, the forerunner of Christ. He was a martyr. He cried out against Herod's, Herod, for he had taken Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and John the Baptist. Jesus said he was the greatest prophet that ever lived, next to himself. And he cried out and said, it's not right for you to have your brother Philip's wife. And he lost his head because of that. John the Baptist was a martyr for Christ. Our lovely Lord Jesus is our example. We ought to be like him. They say that all the 12 apostles died of a martyr's death. I think even possibly John, the revelator. John the apostle, I think maybe he even died. He lived a lot longer, it seems like, than the others. He was boiled in oil, history tells us, and lived through it. I don't know about all that. I know one thing that it seems like all the 12 apostles died a martyr's death for the gospel. Well, we have a great, we have a great uh, host of those that have gone before us. What, what's so, so uh, why cannot we be willing to give our life for Christ and die for the Lord? Martyrs for Christ. We're in a soft America. We are so soft. The Bible says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth themselves with the affairs of this life that he may prove to him the good soldier of Christ. We need to war. We need to endure hardness. We have a bunch of softies in America. I'm not saying you fellows and the soldier, our soldiers are, are softies. I thank God for every one of our men over there in Iraq and those that are planning on going and preparing to go. And they work you guys like dogs over here. I mean, they keep you in good shape. I know. I've been here 17, 16 years now. And I'm telling you, our soldiers, they really keep them in tip-top shape. They really do. A few years prior to that, and the military got real soft, but they're not soft anymore. There was a time even here at Fort Hood, Camp Hood, and earlier, and they said that they got real soft. And one, one uh, pastor told me, he said, they got a bunch of black generals in here. And boy, the spit shine came back, and they started getting these guys in line again. After those 60s, the soft 60s. Then they got some top-notch generals in here that got these guys whipped back in shape, and they're still in shape. But I'm talking about, generally speaking, out in the civilian world. It's a sad day in America when we have our boys and don't let them work a job until they're 16 years old. That's a bunch of foolishness. I don't know. Who ever thought such junk up? All of a sudden, at the age of 17, there's, there's, when they get a, an opportunity to get a job, they're supposed to bloom into some strong and real dedicated worker when they've been slacking off and doing so little. Years ago, they used to be on the plow. 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, they were out there plowing or they were building barns and, and tearing down things and, and doing, and sometimes they were as tall at 12 and 13 and 14, they were taller than their own father. Now we can't, don't even let them work until they're 16 years old. That's a bunch of foolishness. You tell them, Pastor Harvey told them, you told them so. If you want a boy that's going to be strong and work, you got to make him work all the way up. And that's all he knows is hard work. We used to be a farming society, and now we're not. We need some strong men. And if they will not be strong as they're growing up as a young boy, why should they be strong and, and speak out for Christ even at the cost of their own blood and their own life when they get older? The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Some people spend more time training their dog than they do their children. 
You better train your boys. You found your place, Acts 22. Stand with me as we read this one verse of Scripture. In honor to God and also to give you a little break here in the middle of the message. We already preached one message, didn't we? So we must be close to halfway through. For you that might be troubled, who sit up all night watching something or go to a ball game and scream your lungs out, especially if your brother's playing or one of your relatives is playing and you scream your lungs out and jump all over the place, jump up on the seat, act like an idiot, and stay there whether it's raining, snowing, sleeting, in a football game, and freeze yourself to death, rain all over you, soak to the bone, and you could care less about it. And then come to church and be a little distressed at a little two sermons instead of one. Shame on you. God's more important than your, your relative in a football game. Well, amen. All right. Acts 22, verse 20. Acts 22, verse 20. Read it with me, please, in unison. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. The emphasis on, and when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed. Father, bless, we pray these thoughts about martyrdom and the greatness and the glory of the atonement that is preached, was preached by Stephen. Here as he was martyred, and then many others, the blood of the Lamb was proclaimed all the way through the Old Testament that Christ was going to come and give his life a ransom for many. And then our Father, after during the time of his preaching here, those short three and a half years, Christ proclaimed himself as the Savior, the way, the truth, and the life, the answer, the resurrection, and the life, and told that he was going to die at Calvary and be buried and rise again the third day. And then, dear Lord, we've been talking about that ever since the cross. The church has been preaching about the atonement. And, dear Lord, some people don't want to hear about their sin. And some of them don't want to hear about a Savior. But we're thankful that we heard one day. We just simply repented of our sin and yielded ourselves to Thee and called upon Thee to save us. And now we're saved by Thy grace. Bless us, we pray, in these remaining moments we ask in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. The blood of thy martyr, of God's martyr, Stephen. And then over to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 verse 13. I will not wait for you to get there. If I get there quicker, you'll just have to catch up. Revelation chapter 2 verse 13 says, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, where even where Satan's seat is, and that thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in, in the, those days wherein Anticipus was my faithful martyr who was slain among you even uh, where Satan dwelleth. Then over to the Revelation chapter 17, verse 6. Revelation 17, 6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. The blood of the martyrs of Jesus. There, was, there were inquisitions. I've been reading a book that my, was given to me on Father's Day by my daughter Bethany on the martyrs in, uh, in France and the Inquisition in France and Spain and Italy and uh, I think it even said Portugal and then other places where the Inquisitions and how these people would not deny their faith but went to the rack and then went to and finally were burned at the stake because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His holy word, the Bible. 
Zechariah's chapter Second uh, uh, Chronicles twenty four seventeen. Second Chronicles chapter twenty four. Second Chronicles twenty four verse seventeen tells us, Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them, and they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not give ear. Now verse 20 of chapter 24 of Second Chronicles, And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people, and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord? that ye cannot prosper, because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done unto him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, like the Lord Jesus said, and like Stephen said, As they died, he said, The Lord, look upon it and require it. They said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Stephen made a like saying. Here we see that Zechariah was killed. And we have the the account given by our lovely Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23, and in Luke 11, 47 through 51. Let's look there, please. We're talking about martyrs this morning. And our Savior makes much of the martyrs. We saw that also in the Revelation, where Jesus is often speaking almost all the way through. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we know he's speaking there in the second chapter as he speaks about Antisipus, my faithful martyr. And then the other martyrs over in chapter 17. But in Uh, The 23rd chapter of Matthew, verse 29. Look there with me, please. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, Jesus speaking here, Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents. O ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Jesus is speaking here. Jesus believed in hell, whether our present liberal uh, liberal crowd in America do or not, Jesus believed in hell. I think we would do well, I know we would do well to agree with the Master. Look what he says. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify. Crucifixion was a means of capital punishment by the Romans. Kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. You know why Abel was killed by his brother Cain? Because he was righteous and brought a good offering to God. So Abel is a martyr for Christ as well. 
hated by his own brother. I'll tell you what, people that think that, that our, our society is so wonderful, the very first boy baby ever born was a murderer, and he murdered his own brother. That's how degenerate we are. That's what the fall did for us. Very first boy, male baby ever born was a murderer. And he didn't just murder anybody, he murdered his own brother, Abel. And then look what it says. Unto the blood of Zacharias, that's the one we read about in Chronicles, the son of Berechiah, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Now look over to Luke with me, the synoptic on this. I want to give you this part as well. Luke 11, verse 47. The same account by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 47 through 51. Woe unto you, Jesus speaking here, for ye... Blind, uh, build the sepulchers of the prophets, and, <clears throat> and your fathers killed them. Truly ye bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they in, indeed killed them. And ye builded their sepulchers. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they... Uh, they shall slay and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation, 51, from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, which perished between the altar and the temple. Right there at the temple of God he perished for his strong preaching against sin and the evil of the people. Between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. God's going to vindicate. God is going to atone for the blood of all those that died for the faith of Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you better thank God that the vengeance of God will not be poured out on you. You better be redeemed. And if you're not saved, you better run to Jesus and get the blood applied. Trust in His shed blood for you. I want to give you just a couple other verses. Look over to Hebrews 11 with me, please, 35. Hebrews chapter 11. And verse, this is a great chapter of the heroes of the faith. Well, I'll tell you what, a number of these heroes of the faith died as a martyr. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them lived, but others died. And it says over in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse number 35, it says, Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured. I said, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. This sounds like the Inquisitions to me. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned. Stephen was stoned. Zacharias was stoned. They were sawn asunder, sawed in two. Were tempted, were slain with the sword. They were tempted to recant their faith in Christ, and they would not do it. Others had said they're what? That they were, they uh, decided they would not accept deliverance. Did you catch that earlier? Would not accept deliverance. Here it says, we're tempted, we're slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all having uh, or uh, obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. And then if you will, go with me to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount by the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 10. 
Matthew 5 and 10 tells, verse 10 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, Jesus said. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted, and others the same way, persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now I want to know why they were persecuted. Why they were martyred. They were martyred because they reproved people of unbelief and sin. That's what Zechariah was doing. And by the way, that's what Stephen was doing. Peter was put in prison and others were put in prison because they said, you are the ones that shed the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the guilty ones. By the way, uh, the greatest man born a woman, he was martyred because he cried out against adultery. Many of them, they were martyred because they cried out against idolatry, idol worship. You should have no idols at all. You notice in our church that this cross is empty. That cross is empty. We have no full crosses here. He is not on the cross. He is risen. He's alive forevermore. We don't serve a dead Christ. We serve a living Christ. He said, because I live, ye shall live also. Witchcraft. We cried against witchcraft around here at Fort Hood a couple years ago. And we'll cry against it this year. For God hates witchcraft. God still said in his Bible, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And the reason is so that you can keep other people from being polluted with the wickedness of some of these people. And if you don't believe in capital punishment, then you, you young men need to get out of the army. Because you are hired to capital punishment people who are against our government and who will not behave themselves. Amen? You are. If you're not willing to pull the trigger, you better get out of the army because you're fighting for me. Amen? And your, your buddy next to you, he needs your, your, your rifle uh, getting heated up if there's trouble around. Amen? Just fire that weapon. Why? To protect your friends and for our country. War is a terrible thing. War is a terrible thing, I'm telling you. But because of sin, there's war. And sin will have to be atoned for. I'll tell you what, I believe that, you maybe don't believe that he's already dead, but I believe that, uh, what do you call it, Saddam Hussein's already history. I believe he's blown out of this world. Whether he is or not, his two sons killed the people in Iraq were quite, quite jubilant when they heard that those two devils were killed. They so misused the people and misused their women and everything else, wicked people. If you live by the sword and mistreat your own people, you'll be mistreated. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. You mistreat poor people, God will take care of you. You mistreat little widows, God will take care of you either in this life or the next life, but your, your, your judgment day is coming. So you better repent and get right with God or you, you'll meet it all at the judgment seat of, God, of Christ. You go out here and defile young, precious little girls and laugh at them after you've done it like a fellow in the Navy when I was there and your payday's coming. You either get that under the blood and wish you never did such wicked things or you'll burn in hell for all eternity for messing up one precious little girl. Payday someday. It's a coming. You can't just go and live your life and, and have all your pleasures and mistreat poor people and, and, and get away with it. No, your day's coming. Whether you're the employer or you're the employee, all are coming to judgment one day. And as some, one fellow said, all the grounded Calvary is level. <laughs> no rank or, or station will mean anything to God in that day. Your money will avail not one bit in that day. We came into this world naked, and we're going out naked. The Bible tells us that. Necromancers, now we have abortion. The great 
terrible wickedness in our country. We think more of the spotted owl than we do the babies in the wombs of our mothers. We've become crazy over foolishness. Wickedness. Don't you speak lightly about abortion. They tried to kill our Lord Jesus Christ. They tried to kill Moses. All wicked people want to kill babies. I said all wicked people want to kill babies. They're greatly wicked to even think about aborting a baby out of a mother. I don't care if the baby is by rape or I don't care what it is. You leave it alone. It's the, God fashions that baby in the womb. I have Bible for it all over the Bible. Each one of us are the, the peculiar, wonderful creation of God. God fashions you and forms you in your mother's womb. You better leave those babies alone. They shed the blood of these babies. Judgment is coming. The song says all will be there. Those who rejected, those who refused. Judgment is coming. All will be there. You better get right with God before the day of your death or the day of the judgment of God comes or Christ comes back in the air to take us home to be with Him. What did they cry against? They cried against sodomy. Oh, yes. Cried against giving their children to Molech, burning their children up. They cried against murder. By the way, murder is taking a, another person's uh, life when it's unjustifiable. The police out here, they are killing because they are killing others who've killed others. There's a difference in that. In fact, God said in the Sunday school lesson, if you don't take a, a, a person who was a witch, witch or going after other gods in regard to these things, that you were to report them. And you were, they were to be, in the Old Testament days, they, you were to stone them with stones. Don't you try it now. They'll put you in jail. I'll have to come down and pray you out. Amen? But I'm saying in those days, they stoned a person who was a witch. And they were thoroughly warned before they were ever stoned that they shouldn't be involved with witchcraft or sodomy. They were warned, you, you commit an act of sodomy under the stone pile you go. Or if you commit adultery, adultery, in God's economy, you take the adulterer and the adulteress out, those that are married to a person, and they want to mess around with someone else's wife or, or some unmarried girl, you take them both out and you just, uh, you just stone them to death, especially the two adulterers. God's word is true. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Nothing wrong with God's word. You say, well, that's the old Bible. That's, this, that's my Bible. You say, that's the Old Testament. That's, that's God's word, just as much as the new. In fact, the, the Lord Jesus and all the twelve, and, and Paul the apostle, they quoted it all the time. It was the only Bible they knew until Christ gave them the word. They knew the Old Testament. By the way, what about people before the cross of Jesus Christ? Did they go to heaven? Surely they did, by faith in the Christ that was going to come, the blood that was going to be shed. They looked ahead and we looked back. You've never seen Jesus and you've never seen his blood. You've ne never seen his body. You never heard a sermon audibly by him. And yet we trust him and we're saved and you've never seen him, right? Well, they looked ahead and they saw that Christ would die for them at Calvary by the eye of faith. And they were saved in the Old Testament days just like we are by grace through faith or they weren't saved. That's how you're saved through all the ages. By grace through faith. Undeserved grace and then by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ himself. The one who gave himself for our sins. Well, when we cry against covetousness and we cry against stealing and cry against murder cry against bearing false witness against thy neighbor, and cry against this filthy talk. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And honor thy father and thy mother. Even if your mother and father are all divorced up and everything else, you still ought to try to honor your mother and your father. You do the best you can with the situation you have. It may be difficult. You say, well, my mom de deserted me. 
You still ought to. Now you're a Christian. You ought to honor your mother as best you can, even if she left you and left you in an orphanage. You still ought to thank God that you even have a mother and that you weren't aborted. Amen? And even after your mom and dad are dead, you ought to honor, honor them the best you can with your mouth. And spend your time telling about your mom and dad who are dead and how awful and evil they were and everything. That'll profit nobody. And it sure won't profit you. Honor thy father and thy mother. That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that it may be well with thee. I just called a preacher just this last week. And I told that preacher, I said, you, you and that girl ought to give an apology to that, that family back there. Here he's a pastor of a church. I said, you ought to, you ought to call, uh, write them or call them and apologize for sanctioning that girl staying at that college and her disobedience to her parents. And I quoted him the Bible verse over the phone. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that it may be well with thee. I said, we have no business encouraging any young girl to suicide or to, to disobey or dishonor her parents in any fashion. And he didn't say a thing back to me about it at all. He better not. He better get on the phone and, and make his apology. Well, you say, you're kind of rough. I'm going to stay rough, too. Wait till, wait till we meet the God who is so holy, far beyond our holiness. We ought never to encourage a young boy or a young girl. I don't care if they're 20 and 21, 22, 23, 25, or 30. I told him on the phone. I said, I don't care if the girl's 30 years old. You should never encourage her to dishonor her mother and father who are good Christians. You sure shouldn't even do it if they're not Christians. It's wrong to dishonor your father and your mother. If your mother's a woman of the street, you ought to do all you can to, to love her and win her to Christ and try to honor her. Just the devil got her, Amen. Don't you think? So who else is going to love her if you don't love her? Say, well, she didn't treat me right. Well, you're just thinking of your sorry self is all you're doing. That's what our whole society is so messed up. Everybody's thinking of themselves. Nobody's thinking about someone else. By the way, if she's still lost or he's, your father's still lost and whoring around, well, Jesus could save him. He's done it with others that were just as bad as your father. Why don't you love him and pray for him and weep over him and go tell him Jesus loves him and you love him and you're sorry that the devil's got him so messed up. And you're going to pray for him every day till they get saved and experience the wonderful joy of salvation themselves. Amen? Come on. We're in an age and don't try to find fault with your mother or your father. Or just find fault with yourself, sir. We got a lot wrong with Number one, one you look at in the mirror every day is your major problem, fella. You girls, too, as you're primping and trying to look so nice and pretty, you better make sure you're pretty inside. Some guy's going to have to live with you for a many a day. You better be pretty inside. I don't care how pretty you are on the outside. Amen? Better find a girl that's beautiful inside, fellas. She'll be beautiful to you all your days. She'll be, she'll be like a servant girl to you, maybe almost. Because <laughs> she loves God and loves you. She's learned to be the right kind of a girl. Amen? Same way with the fellas. You girls better look for a fellow who knows how to work. If he's a lazy no good, he'll be a lazy no good after you marry him. You'll be the one out there working. He'll be sitting around uh, vacuuming the carpet and take care of the babies, and you'll be out there working like a mule when he ought to be out there like sweating like a hog. And a, amen? Oh, my, practical preaching. It always comes out around here every once in a while. Whew. By the way, you better pray before you marry some girl or date some girl or marry some boy. You better listen to your parents. You better think twice before you marry somebody that your parents don't think you ought to marry, even if your parents aren't really out-and-out -out Christians. They've lived longer than you. And they ought to want the best for you. 
Even if they failed you, they ought to want the best for you and not you to have as many problems as they had in their life. Well, the Lord Jesus made a lot about this matter of being a martyr for Christ. And if the Lord Jesus is and was a martyr for us, then we would just, we ought to have a martyr spirit. Let me close with that. If Jesus died for our sins and was willing to give himself, we ought to be willing to give ourselves for him. Whether it means that we are spit upon, persecuted, railed upon, even maybe apprehended and jailed and tortured and tormented, we ought not to give up our faith in Christ. For he yielded his body and laid down his life for us. And then let's be like John the Baptist. He cried out against sin, didn't he? Cried out against sin. And Jesus, we read, he said, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Don't we need some preachers like that today? Don't we need some Christians like that today? We'd be willing to be a martyr for Christ if need be. Surely none of us ought to want to die, but we ought to be willing to die for our precious Lord. He died for us. So may we live for him with all our heart. May we be willing to lay down our life for him. Let's bow for prayer. Our Father, we love thee. Thank thee for thy word. Pray, dear Lord, if there's one here without Christ, may they realize that Christ died for their sins. He loved them so much that he laid down his life that they might be saved. And dear Lord, it's all by grace through faith. Nothing of works, nothing we can do to be saved but believe and repent. Repent of our condition and just believe on Christ and call upon thee to save us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, Lord, as we repent this morning, even we that are saved, we need to repent of things we've done. Dear God, we pray if there's one without Christ that they'd see their need of repentance and of just simply putting all their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved them and gave himself for them. Speak to hearts, give understanding, dear Lord, to those as, dear Lord, I believe you did yesterday for that precious young lady, that 20-year-old, 21-year-old young lady. When we started talking to her, there was nothing there, no understanding. And then we saw as the scriptures were opened up that her understanding was, was quickened. And we believe that she possibly even trusted thee as Lord and Savior right there at the door of her house. Do that work this morning. We pray in Jesus' name.